went to go fall asleep again and he almost fell in the river because he didn't know he was on a pack craft. So we went to like fall asleep on the pack craft. I had to grab him and like pull him out because he was going to fall in the river. It was the fun- We were all in hysterics. It was so funny. Welcome to the Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatons. In adventure racing lingo, a dark zone is a time when due to darkness or safety, teams are paused on the course before continuing with the race. During that time, stories are exchanged, friendships are kindled, spirits are restored, and teams have a chance to prepare for the next challenge. We hope that you make good use of this dark zone. We're glad that you're here. This episode is being sponsored by the New York Adventure Racing Association. Naira is proud to present a variety of races in and around New York and New Jersey and takes particular pride in their flagship 24-hour race, The Longest Day, a USARA regional championship. You can learn more about Naira at www.naira.org. Today we are joined by two members of Team Fear Youth. 18-year-old Molly and 16-year-old Finn, along with their teammates, recently completed Guide Zone. New Zealand's world-famous 10-day expedition adventure race. They are strong racers, at times both funny and wise, and they do a great job on this episode. Thank you also to Ben Racing's Jason Magnus for joining us as well for this episode. Jason was the lead social media analyst for Team Fear Youth during the race, and he brings great questions to today's episode. Enjoy this episode, and thank you, Molly, Finn, and Jason, for joining the Dark Zone and Adventure Racing Podcast. I am joined today by Team Fear Youth. We have Molly, who's with us, Finn, who's with us, and Jason Magnus of Team Ben Racing is going to help out with some of our questions, and he's on his co-host tonight. So welcome, everybody, to the Dark Zone. Um, we're delighted that you're here. What brings you here is that you recently completed God Zone, which, as our listeners may know, is one of the most storied and biggest adventure races that take place in the entire world. And this one is set in New Zealand, and Team Fear Youth was the youngest team that took part. And we've invited Molly and Finn on board to talk a bit about it. Who are you? Where are you from? Paint a picture for our listeners. Um, so I am, I'm from Lumsden, which is just in Northern Southland, and two of our, just Sire and Zach are both from Tiana as well. So we've got quite a good little group getting around town now. We can all train together. Yeah, I'm from, um, I'm from North Canterbury. So that's what, like nine hours drive from where the boys live. But um, yeah, we're fair youth. So we, um, made a team up so fear is um or an acronym for fiordland adventure racing society so that's like a society that's in fiordland that our coach andy magnus is running and um yeah so we're kind of just the youth part of i suppose that society and we've just made a team up and we entered god zone which was pretty cool which was um we finished a week and one day ago. So, yeah. You're eight days past God Zone. What is God Zone? What kind of race is that? And, and what did you know about it when you went into it? Uh, God Zone's like a, well, it's just a adventure race and an expedition adventure race. And it's um, sort of renowned for being one of the, one of the longer ones, I guess. But um, I'd sort of, my um, dad has done one of them. So I'd sort of known a bit about it and been pretty interested in it. Through through Andy's races as well, they sort of pitched as um as training races for God's Own. I guess they're pretty ideal training. So um had had known a bit about it through there and 
So it's pretty keen to keen to give it a go. So as part of the youth team, Molly, how old are you? I'm 18. So me and Finn are actually the youngest ever um, boy and girl that's ever done God's Own. And I suppose probably um, some of the youngest kids that have ever done a long expedition race such as God's Own, which is pretty pretty remarkable, which is pretty cool. So, um, yeah, the God's Own, I've actually been involved with it for a long time because my dad's actually done five of them. So I've kind of always wanted to do it and always wanted to be the youngest ever girl. But um, so when I got the phone call in July last year from the boys, it was pretty, pretty exciting. I was very excited. <laughs> and Finn, how old are you? Uh, I am 16. So, yeah, I also took the box for being youngest ever to do God's own. And, um, yeah, I'd sort of, like, Dad did it two years ago. He did it oh, two or three years ago in 2018. Um, so, yeah, I'd been pretty involved in, in that and sort of become interested in it. So I was pretty keen to one day do it, but didn't really didn't really think that I was going to be doing it at this age. I was thinking more 18, 20 upwards. You know, when, you're, when you're a lot older, 18 was when you were going to do yeah, it as yeah. opposed to 16. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. And, yeah. So I just want to put a little bit in context for some of the American um, listeners. One, you know, uh, I love hearing the Kiwis talk about God's own as if it's just like, oh, it's just this little adventure race. Um, one of the interesting things for the American listeners is I've done God's own three times, been lucky enough. And the first thing I discovered going down there is people know what adventure racing is. Like in the States, you know, not many people, but, you know, we were down in, in Tiana, which is where my brother lives and where some of the, the fear youth train. And, you go to the grocery store and people are like, oh, you're American. What are you doing in, in New Zealand? And you say, oh, I'm here to do God's Zone. And they know what that is. They're like, oh, good on you. That's amazing. Good luck in the race. Everybody knows what God's Zone is. Like everybody in the country has heard of the race, you know, either follows it or knows people that have done it. So, you know, it's, it's pretty remarkable um, as a race. Um, they're, they're really tough. They're really long. They're really hard. More on the, on the side of like the Patagonia Expedition Race. These are really big huge races and the other thing is i think it's even more remarkable for the the kids because you know it's not like there are there are not other kids that have got into adventure racing or wanted to do it but this is like the big big race and you know for them to not only be you know be youth you know 16 and 18 but for the whole team it's not like they had an adult that had raced you know it's not like nathan father took them under their wing and said come race with me and we'll do okay um it was just like literally four kids out there in this huge expedition race that, um, you know, that they had to make their own decisions, navigation. So, you know, when I heard this was happening as a racer, I just became even more fascinated, even kind of knowing some of their backstories of whether they were going to survive or, or get lost or, you know, like fall apart on the first stage. Um, so, you know, it's a pretty, you know, for those U.S. listeners, like this is, it's a huge race uh, and a country that's been really supporting these races. So it was a really amazing thing to watch. So Molly, how long was the race supposed to be? How many days did the race go for? Um, well, we did it in, um, was it eight days then? Yeah, eight days. And um, Yeah, just over. Yeah. And um, well, it was actually the longest ever, I think one of the longest expedition races that has um, happened before, I think it was, approximately 710 kilometers so we crossed actually the whole of the south island of new zealand which was pretty cool to watch back on the little tracker and um 
yeah, it was so we did eight days, and the top team did it in five or six days, which is very long. It was six days. To, yeah, which is really long um, in comparison to other God Zones. They've, the top team have done it, done it in like three to four days. So um, lots and lots of people got short course because um, it just the monster stage took us. What's was it? Fifty something hours? Was it sixty hours? Sixty-two uh, hours. That was a huge 60, track, correct? Yeah, six, yeah, sixty-two hours was that one stage. Was one stage. Through. And I think, yeah. I think, and, and, and if I'm correct, didn't everybody get clobbered on that stage? I mean, it wasn't just you; it was yeah. the whole field had a really tough time yeah. on that stage. Oh, God's own put out after after the race started. God's own put out the expected times for each of the leagues, and the the expected time for. God's own was it the fastest teams would do stage three in 30 hours and the and the slowest teams would do it in 50 hours and um Avaya did it in they were 50 hours. Okay, so, so and they're the fastest team on the course by a mile. Gotcha. And I and, and what and how early in the race was that section? That was uh, six hours in. Yeah, so it was, so the so the first day of the race. So here, so yeah. let's paint a picture. So, and we can put your youth to the side for a second because we'll come back to that. But you're racers, and you're in this race, and it's the first day, and you're going into what is supposed to be a section that's going to take a while, and it takes twice as long for most people. Sometimes even more than that for how people went along. Yeah. Without even talking about the rest of the race, which we'll get to, where was your head during that section? Like, what what was your talk amongst the team to yourselves? Like. We're going to get heli out of here. What are we going to do? Like, or did you just keep rolling um, forward? Tell, cause that's fascinating. Don't get me wrong. You're a young team and, and we'll talk about your youth for a second, but the fact that you're racers and you're out there and you're just, you have to work your way through that crazy early hard stage. How did that go for all of you? Um, do we have enough you done it similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a case of, yeah. But um, we had done a sort of, I guess in terms of length and like distance and, and how much pack rafting it was, race, one of the Fair Society races sort of a month earlier, the, called the WTF, the Wilderness Traverse of Fiordland. And um, so we were just thinking as it, well, we were thinking about it as just another WTF. So we're just getting through that. We knew that we'd done that race before. So we're just getting through a WTF and then it was, we weren't even worrying about the rest of the race. It was just get through that yeah. and then go from there. But um, but yeah, it was sort of got halfway through and then everyone's the the topic of how much food have we got and how we're going to make it last was coming up pretty regularly. So yeah, we scraped through on not enough food, but that's right. That happens. But clearly you yeah, like some, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Some teams went, um, so we got to the Dart River, which was the end of that big trek. And, um, and, like we had these two ladies, these two volunteers that were there and she was saying that some teams went 24 hours without eating because they just um, had, they had no food left because everyone thought that it was going to be half the time that they, um, that they said. So it was actually pretty, I suppose, bad organizing with the race directors because we like, it was actually dangerous for teams to be out there for so long with so little food and like, um, uh, like prepared for that so yeah well we scraped through but some teams weren't happy <laughs> so why do you think it took so long was it the distance or was it the, the, the quality of the terrain the quality of the terrain probably and um 
the Pike River, which was a pack rafting section right in the middle. I sort of it usually takes about five hours, I think, but um, it was real low. The the river was real low, so you're getting out and pushing a lot of rapids, and um, so that was probably an hour, if not more, slower than usual. So it meant that we missed the dark zone on the pike. So there was a dark zone, and we missed it. We got half an hour from the end of the pike, and then and then the dark zone forced us off the river. But um, that like most teams were sort of aiming to beat that dark zone, but we were sitting at about tenth there, and and we missed the dark zone. So so it was pretty pretty tight, and um, and also like the quality of the terrain, was the um, there was a stage there's a bit above Hidden Falls, probably a stint maybe seven k's. That was just um, that was just tight tight bush. We we're moving at half a k an hour for probably five or six hours. It was just slow slow going. Gotcha. How was the weather during the race? Did you did you see every season? Oh, um, it was actually pretty good. Like we had, um, I think, was it one day of rain and yeah, one or yeah, and otherwise we had pretty like normally in the God Zone you you would you would see four seasons all and it would be raining. Like normally the weather on the God Zones are terrible, but we only had one day of rain, so our weather was actually pretty good. Um, over the whole time. So yeah, clearly yeah. with that, that first stage being as hard as it was, first day, first stage, I guess you were fortunate that the weather didn't turn against you because that would have been a whole different factor too. Like having that terrain, yeah. running out of food and having the weather go bad on you would have been really something Oh, that out. was the bad weather day. That was, was the bad, bad weather, weather day. day. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, the, the day of bad weather was where we were at about the highest altitude that we got to we went up over the park pass and it was it was it was real cold and we so um yeah we we're pretty cold up there but yeah we're lucky that it wasn't bad the whole time so it's, it's really nice yeah. that the bad weather arrived on the hardest day during that's good that's that's adventure yeah. racing right yeah yeah, yeah that's a good yeah. choice yeah that's, that's the way it's and gonna and be also one of our team members um well we um at that transition before the big um the big like uh, 60 hour thing that we did um, that transition was absolutely mental and Andy was just like like crazy at that transition and then Josiah one of our teammates forgot his um, his rain jacket so he didn't have a rain jacket for the whole of that time and so it was freezing cold and so we had like a bivy bag that we cut holes in like head holes and arm holes and we made like this dress for him and he was like borderline hypothermic the whole time. <laughs> and so so your other two teammates and they couldn't join us tonight. Well how old are they and what are their names? Um so Josiah is nineteen. He's um he is studying at Dunedin Otago University, he's doing medicine so he can make it as busy with, with his school. And um, Zach Pearson is 19 as well, and he's doing uh, chopper school or helicopter school in, in Wanaka. So, who was the uh, lead navigator? Uh, the lead navigator was Zach, but um, yeah, he he um, his hips got really really bad halfway through the race, and he had to pull out halfway through the race. Yeah, I read so, that he was hellied out. How's he feeling now? I think he, yeah, I think he's he's good. He's recovering, but um, I think he's still pretty sore. Like he struggled to run the last twenty minutes, twenty meters to the finish line, 
with us at the end and yeah he's still he's still pretty sore okay so after that first monster day comes through right you get the bad weather the high altitude the food after you survived that first section how did the rest of the race go for you what did you transition to did you get on a bicycle uh Uh, yeah we transitioned to to a 90k bike it was we were lucky it was quite a flat um sort of easy ish bike i guess easy nav and stuff so it was a real good refuel sort of leg to to get you back, to get you back warm and dry and fed again before the rest of the race. That was that was actually, that bike ride was actually one of my favorite um favorite legs. Like it was beautiful. We were we were biking along like on sunset along what's called Lake Wakatipu. And it was um that's like one of New Zealand's most like uh scenic lakes and it's in Queenstown and we were like biking along like the the beachfront I suppose and it was pretty cool like uh the sun was setting behind all the Queenstown mountains and it was yeah it was beautiful this was day two uh yeah, yes uh, no, it must be three no four. day three it was Monday yeah three is, yeah. It, all, is yeah. it all one big blur do all the days run together yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were yeah. saying that <laughs> Yeah, the big truck took you two days, right? Because it was you guys were sixty yeah. hours, so that was day two yeah. and day three, and then you're on day three, you're on yeah. the bike, right? I remember, yeah, like you know, because watching it, I was like, I knew when the cutoffs were, and like you know, I was basically watching Avaya, who took fifty hours to get to the track that they were supposed to do in thirty. So you know, like Avaya, the best team in the world, was almost twice as slow as they thought they were going to be. Um, and even just seeing the yeah. video of them coming out of the bush at the end of that, like I'm used to like Chris Bourne and Nathan not looking that tired and like you just see them emerge from the bird and they look wrecked. Right. Yeah. And so you're just like wondering what the other teams are going to look like. Um, but I was watching you guys on the start of the stage five, which was the next trek, knowing like when the cutoff was at the end of that, because that was the first big cutoff at the end of the air mountains. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, you guys made short work of that bike, but um, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty intimidating and and anxious to watch you guys <laughs> with knowing knowing what was to come the whole way. Did you find after yeah. you had that the big trek and then you went to the the ninety k bike and and to your point, Molly, it was refreshing, right? It was it was good to get yeah. up on going back into the Erie Mountain trek. How did you feel mentally going into that? Were you like, oh, we have to do this again? By that point, how much did you slept? Like. Where where did that where did it get hard for you? Was it going into that trek? We were in a pretty good space going into that trek. I guess we were um we had, we knew that there was a cutoff at the end of it, but um we'd been given the rundown by Andy, and he said as long as you you can keep moving, then it's it should be you should make it quite happily. So now nah, we're we're pretty fizzed to just be on the full course still. Like lots of teams um had been well there was a there was a cutoff at the end of that long trek. So you had to be in by eight and we had made that. So lots of teams have got short course. So we're just happy we're on still on full course and we're just first to be keeping going. And how did yeah, that we track go? My my feet were good at that stage in the race. Um, Molly's feet, she'd started to get a few blisters and Zach's feet were pretty bad. Zach by then was, um, his hips were starting to flare up. He was a bit due to being hungry and a bit due to just being tired off that last big trek. He was, um, starting to get pretty sore. So um, we were just pretty much trying to take, take the load off Zach. And um, we, were, we were going good for a start. We t- took a bit of a different route through the Air Mountains, sort of a, a 
bit of local knowledge, I guess we knew of a couple of better ridges that um would have been faster had we all been a hundred percent, but that's interesting. You're never gonna be a hundred percent. So um we took fourteen hours, I think, to get to the first checkpoint and Avail was twelve hours, so we're still ticking along pretty good. Let's mention how big that is, that Avaya, who won the race, the biggest team, the best team in the world by a mile, what took them 12 mm-hmm. only took you 14? Yeah, we yeah. would, we would probably have bet them. We would have bet their time if, our, if, um, like, if that tips were all good. We were, we were, we were fitting. Yeah. We were like, yes, this is, the best, this is the best route ever. Go Finn. <laughs> So, so when you were you were out there yeah. and you were, you were trekking, were you talking about what you would say to Avaya if you passed them during the race? <laughs> <laughs> um, we weren't really, we didn't have real high hopes of passing them during the race. We're we're pretty keen to give them a bit of stick at the end if we if we beat them. But um, yeah, yeah we, were, we weren't planning on passing them. But just in case it happened, you were ready to to to, to talk a little yeah, smack, yeah, as we yeah, say yeah, here in America. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, Very nice. yeah, yeah. no, nah, no, nah, we're we're fizzing for. So, so you must have been flying high. You you come through that trek. You do it in four. You, you had the fourteen hour number there. The trek is continuing. How did your yeah. now? I know that I know that you know, Zach was having a rough time with his hips. Molly, your feet were starting to go. How how did you? Now this is an important question for our listeners. How did you hold it all together? What was your what was your mental attitude like? Did was somebody the cheerleader? Was somebody carrying gear? Like everybody during a race, it's a high point and a low point. How did your team make its way through that? Um, um, well, at, oh. I get, nah, I got them all. Oh, well, um, well, our team actually, like, I feel like our um, attitude to the, the whole race is pretty good. Like, we had um, pretty good team dynamics, which is really good. Um, I'd say I'd be the motivator, but, like, um, we're all kind of gel as a team and um, – yeah, well, we knew that Zach was uh, his hips were going, and my feet were pretty bad. But I just, I just sucked up the pain. I just took heaps of Panadol and taped them up and stuff like that. So, yeah, by by that when we got to that fourteen hour mark, we were in pretty good spirits. We didn't know um, Zach was going to go downhill that much, did we? Spin like, um, but after that, yeah, it was. Definitely have highs and lows of the whole race, but uh, when there is highs, you kind of just have to take advantage of them and uh, feel feel your best, I suppose. And you remind yourself that when you hit a low, you're going to come back to that high eventually. Definitely, yeah. That's the hundred percent. You're never going to be well. You hope you wouldn't be low the whole time, but um, there's, it's crazy how emotions and you know your <laughs> Attitude towards things just go yeah. up and down. You're like, what the heck? Yeah, you, you basically have every single human emotion during a, during the course of a race, right? You went from yeah. joy to sadness to yeah. crying to laughing, and the important thing, and, and we know this, and, and I definitely, Jason, jumping on this is, I'm sure that you have your thoughts on it. It's okay to be low, provided everybody is not low at the same time, right? Because that's when things just come apart. Yeah. yeah, definitely. No, we definitely had times. We definitely had times where a couple of people were pretty low and just battling. But um, no, we never really had any times where everyone was just in a real hole. So we 
there's always someone to keep people moving, keep people motivated, I guess. What was your food like? What your new? Did you bring real food? Did you bring stuff in bags and bars, or did you bring a variety of stuff? Um, we were really lucky. We got we were um, sponsored by Real Meals, which is Nathan Fave's dehydrated mm-hmm. company. He yeah, makes we can't get those here, by the way. They won't. Um, they won't meals. ship those yet to America. We can't get. I heard they're great. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, no, nah, they were they were great. So we had heaps of them, which kept us going throughout the race. Them and um. Crafty Wicker Bars, we're also sponsored by Crafty Wicker Bars, which are they're just a great like filling music bar. They're pretty awesome, just grains and seeds and heaps of energy. So they keep us ticking along. I'm pretty along. sure they ship. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're in the, the Crafty Wacker Bars? Yeah. Mm. Not not easy to get. Like you might be able to go to some um, import store. After, after talking to you guys last time, I looked up all the awesome food to use and you know, that's what I said. I was very sad because, you know, you just talked about all this great food that we don't get over here. So, so listeners just have to go sign up for the next God Zone and then bring a, a ton back. Exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll bring an extra suitcase so and I, carry it back. Sell it on the black market. <laughs> <laughs> I feel our nutrition yeah. as a team as a whole went really well. Like, none of us were, apart from that 60-hour um, big pet craft trek, when everyone was kind of running low on food because we didn't know that we were going to be out there for so long. Other than that, I feel like as a team, we um, had very much a, we all, you know, had had big, we had meals at um, the same time, so it was just easier. And then like our snacks, like we would snack all the time. As a team, I think we did really well with the nutrition side of things, which is great. Because nutrition is so important when it comes to adventure racing, because it's like you just have to keep your energy as high as you can without, I suppose, having stomach issues, which is good that no one had anything like that. Because that would be a disaster if you had, um, you know, someone that, you know, had stomach issues. I can't imagine that. So, so for the eight days you were out there, all four of you, your stomachs pretty much held together. Like it was. It was steady yeah. with food. You were fine. You were, oh, excellent. Because that's not always I mean, the case. Yeah, I can't, I, I wonder now, listening to them, like, maybe that is that is one of youth superpowers. Because I don't know of another, like, right. older adventure racing team, you know, made up of, of, you know, old guys like me and you that, like, like the stomach stuff just gets to be a bit more of an issue. Um, although, you know, my, my twin brother, who, helps mentor these guys. He swears that he could do a whole expedition just on lollies, which are like, you know, cheap grocery store gummies. Right. And he could eat them for like <laughs> five days to be fine. But he's never done it. So I don't know if it's true. But yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with you guys. Yeah, I sometimes wonder, you know, when stomach. it comes to nutrition, I wonder, well, first of all, I think, I think fear youth had youth on its side, right? I think that when you're younger, you tend to have a lot more, you could, you could dump a lot more in your body and you're used to it. You're, when yeah. you're in your fifties, things begin to fall apart a bit. And I'm sure, by being in my fifties, I'm like a thousand years old to you guys, but you'll be here someday. Um, and so I think you're right. And I think also too, Jason, to that point, I think that there are some people who just, they just have cast iron stomachs. They just, they, they got a system down and they hold it together. And it's, it's great to hear from team fear youth that that was one thing you did not have to worry about that everything held yeah, together yeah. there. Now I'm assuming that you've done a fair amount of training for this. You must've practiced with all of this food beforehand, right? You didn't bring new food into the race. Um, um, those real meals, I hadn't trained on the, I'd never 
done a race with eating real meals before, so <laughs> I just used cold backcountries, which tended to make me a bit gassy, but <laughs> the, the real meals did the same. As, <laughs> as my can testify. But everybody gets gassy during a race. For those of you at home, yeah, yeah. it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I was oh especially bad. I was especially bad. Yeah. So that's, I mean, just put, just go. That's when you say, like, hey, I need to be up front now. Yeah. Um, I need a moment. Yeah, yeah. You lead the charge. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I have a. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I think I think one of the things that that I'm super impressed by is that you guys were able because I know you've done a bunch of you know training with with Andy and with uh, the WTF, which I, I also think is one of the best uh, race names ever because you know really all adventure racing is kind of. WTF. Um, but, you know, it also stands for the, the Wilderness Traverse of Fjordland. Um, but, you know, and I, I know you guys have done really well in a bunch of those races, but what was it like, you know, like even Andy's longest race tends to be full bore racing for like 48 hours, maybe 60 hours if you're, if you're unlucky, but most of his races are over in, in two days, two and a half days. Um, and so basically you hit that zone that that unknown like what's it like from here at the end of that first big trek like that was your 60 hour mark yeah. right and now yeah. you've got this massive chunk of race with no real life like racing experience and so like you're going into this kind of cool place of, of big unknown what did that feel like did you guys talk about that at all like hey this is this is all new yeah we talked about it lots like also sort of like we knew that our bodies would probably hold up like we'd sort of after those two day races we still had sort of talked about how we felt like we could have gone for gone for longer but it was more like the, the sleep deprivation side of things like it's all good going through night but then you get to three and four and five nights and it's yeah it's pretty it was pretty uncharted territory so we um yeah we talked about it a lot but it was just interesting to see how our bodies coped going through all that and, and I suppose I suppose um, as like we kind of just broke the race down into sections. Like when once we got that first section done, it was kind of like, all right, well we just just pretended kind of we're woken up fresh, and we're just going to go do another WTF or whatever. Like we kind of forgot about that first bit, and then went into the second bit, and went into the third bit. And I um I mean that was definitely my mindset like. It so that it wasn't as overwhelming because obviously eight days racing is quite overwhelming if you think of it in one big block. So then you kind of just have to break it down into sections. And as being youth, I feel like we, our bodies actually held pretty well. Like we were talking about it. We're like, we actually don't feel terrible and we don't look terrible coming into, you know, transitions and stuff like we, yeah, we we were actually talking about it. Like, we found like our bodies were actually pretty pretty good for eight days. I guess like our just being young and our recovery times faster, we were probably still like it wasn't compounding the whole race. We we're probably bouncing back a wee bit when you get a, a chill biking leg like that, then you sort of your body has a chance to to sort of repair itself a wee bit from from something like that. Just being younger and faster recovering, so. Yeah, I would also agree to the, the fact that you were, there was a double-edged sword there. One was you had no idea what you were going into, which could be a negative. 
you had no idea what you're going into, which is a positive because you didn't know what to be scared of, yeah. right? You you had capacity, yeah. you had you had each other, right? You had a good team dynamic. You had you your bodies were holding itself together reasonably so, and so you probably had the the the, the confidence, if you will, of ignorance. You didn't know what was coming, so you're like, well, I'm not I'm not worried because when I get there, I'll take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. Very much go with the flow. <laughs> And to your point, Molly, the, 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 the genius there is breaking the race down into sections, into pieces. You're not thinking eight days. You're thinking from this section to that section. And when you get there, you'll just repeat it and you'll do it again, which, yeah, which like, psychologically yeah. helps you because then there's no weight on you. Yeah, because, like, for example, the 56K trek, we're just like, okay, that's just another um, tacky traverse, which is a race that Andy puts on, like, We've done that before. We can do it again. We like that, but it's just smack bang in the middle of a gold zone. But we kind of just put um, mission to mission. We've done this all before, but let's just do it all in one. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so yeah we definitely good. thought of it league by league, and there was just yeah, you sort of got like if you got halfway through, if you thought about it as a race, you just. It'd just be like, well, <laughs> I'm not getting through this. I'm I'm too puffed now. I'm not going to last another five days of this. But then you get to the end of the league, and then you get to the end of the next league, and then suddenly it's like, oh, we're we're three leagues away. It's actually it's achievable now. We can. There's a point in the race where you go from where you're closer to the finish than to the start, and by yeah. then it's just, yeah, exactly. just keep going, so like, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Coming back to your race itself, you went through the you so you had the Erie Mountains trek, right? And that was that was big. What what followed that? Uh, there was a monster bike league that followed yeah. that, which was 170 k's up through the the Nevis Valley, and then it went up along the the Old Man Range, which is sort of in in central Otago of New Zealand of the South Island, and um, then it went down and through Roxburgh to Lake Onslow. What was the so terrain like? Was, was it technical? A, was it fire road? Was it single track? Um, it was mostly four-wheel drive track. So um, all along the old man range was sort of rutty four-wheel drive track. Quite, quite technical. Well, not technical as such, but just slow going on a bike. Like you can't just, like you can't just go head down and pedal. You've got to be pretty, pretty alert to be not slipping over. Gotcha. Hey, Molly. Oh God, don't even talk about it. <laughs> what I happened, Molly? Let it like out. That bike. <laughs> this is safe, Molly. How'd the bike treat you? <laughs> I, oh, I'm. I, I, that was the worst day for me. I hated that stage. It was awful. I was falling over all the time on these big slippery clay ruts and like, and then, oh yeah, I just did not like it. <laughs> I liked one part of it and that was the downhill bit and we were looking over like this, we were above the clouds, so it's called like an inversion layer and we were above that um, cloud and then it was sunny and everything like that. And then it was, I think it was really early in the morning. And then I was at the back and I was watching all the three boys go into that inversion layer of the cloud. And it just looked so cool. And then they were just like gone. And then we went below the cloud and it was not a, I mean, it was, wasn't a very nice day, a bump below the clouds. But yeah, that was pretty cool to see that. I was like, oh, I really want to take a photo right now, but I don't have a phone. So. <laughs> In my brain. <laughs> so you, so you, you had that rough day on the bike, um, and it was something like was very technical—not technical, but it was you had you had to keep your head about you, otherwise you were going to be on the ground. 
It sounds like a lot of climbing, a big descent. And then you, did you, did you go from there on to pack rest? Did you get back on your feet? What, what followed? Pack rest trek. Uh, we followed it. Yeah. So there was a sort of a 45 to 50 K pack raft trek. It was almost a, it wasn't a road game, but it was quite a, like a micro nav trek. There was lots of checkpoints in a pretty small area. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a navigationally technical, probably the most technical part of the race. So at any point during the race, did you have any major navigational errors? Um, no, we had nothing major. We, um, oh, in that big trek, there was a, um, where we got dark zone, there was apparently a track, it was called the pike track, that went to Lake Alabaster where we could start paddling again. And um, that was a very poor excuse for a track. It was um, it just went straight through a swamp, and it was took us I think about six hours, and we probably went about four k's. We should have stopped and slept. That was a bit of a rookie mistake, just pushing on through there in the night time. But um, apart from that, dropped down the, the wrong ridge a couple of times, but it was nothing major. We might have lost half an hour. Well, and yeah, credit to you. Ben and Zach did it incredibly yeah. well, like their navigation was just remarkable like especially for Finn he's 16 and he what he was nerving like like majority of the time once that tip went and oh my gosh hats off to you Finn like seriously so so question for you Finn based on that and obviously you're involved with with fear and you're involved in the event racing community and your your parents are adventure racers was this what was the being that God's was the biggest race you've ever done? This is obviously the biggest nav you've ever done. But how much navigation did you do before this? Did you have a mat? Did you do for multi day stuff, or was this was this brand new for you? Um, how hard was it? Uh, I'd done quite a few sort of twenty four hour adventure races and um, like twenty four hour and twelve hour. Maybe I might done four twenty four hour races and three or four row games and stuff. So um. I'd done quite quite a bit of nav and I guess the bush and just off track navigation sort of stuff. So um, yeah, I'd done quite a bit, but it was it was a lot different. This race being such macro nav, like it was, I think Big. we were we were about ninety to hundred k's between from the transition at um the checkpoint at the transition of the of stage three to the next checkpoint was a hundred k's to it. So it was. It was pretty much finding finding a route more than naving to a cheap point most of the and, time. Yeah. And so did you struggle with having done smaller races? Every time you find a checkpoint, there's a bit of a dopamine hit, right? Oh, there's a checkpoint, I, yeah. and you feel good. And yeah. and it's amazing how when you feel bad and you find a checkpoint, like a switch is thrown. Did you struggle psychologically with such big distance between those checkpoints? Yeah, it does sort of feel like you're pushing shit up. Oh, wait, that's, that's probably not the best way of putting it but um but yeah just it feels like you're grinding away for long periods of time but not really getting any reward for it but um but yeah it's just yeah it's sort of uh, it throws you a wee bit going from doing races where you get a checkpoint every two hours to where you get a checkpoint every day <laughs> right right yeah. if you're lucky yeah right you yeah. Go yeah. days and days in between yeah. was there at any point during yeah. the race where when you were navigating you had faith that you're going in the right direction, but you began to suspect that you were completely lost or did you always kind of know you were in the right spot? Um, yeah, I sort of, there are a few times in the race where it's just, you, you feel like you, you just got to trust your compass, but you, you feel like it's leading you totally wrong way. Like we were 
when we were going down from Park Pass in the dark, sort of on quite a big, big just open flat sort of valley, open and in clearings and stuff. And there was another team that was walking the other way towards us, and they were sort of said g'day as they walked past and they were walking completely opposite direction to us. So it throws you a lot when something like that happens, but you just got to have faith in, in your navigation and we, we ended up popping out in the right spot. So I, I think we were right. So I have a question. When that team passed you, did you all confirm with each other that you were not hallucinating? Like, were you like, did you guys see um, that too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, everyone, everyone was getting there. It was the middle of the night and everyone was hallucinating anyway. So, yeah, it was sort of a bit of a bit of a shock, but so, but so when no, you were hallucinating, Molly, on, hallucinating. What line. did you see when you were out there and you were hallucinating, Molly? What did you see? Did you see gremlins, trolls? What no, your... I I actually saw um, huts like in shelters, so I was like thinking these trees were like a shelter for us to go sleep in, but no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was like just like, uh, and what else was I seeing? I was seeing. Oh, and then I was seeing the rocks as dogs. So, but otherwise, I was, I, there was only one time I hallucinated, so I was pretty happy with that. But, and now how, many, <laughs> how many hours in? What day was that for you? The first, first night. <laughs> the second night. Second oh, my night. goodness. The second night, the, the massive trek that you put you out there for hours and hours yeah. and hours. So how about you? What were your hallucinations? Um, oh, my probably my best one was we were going down a hill on day two and we we're going down the slip and all of a sudden there was a llama like running off down the slip ahead of me, which was sort of strange to see in Jordan Bush, but uh but no, nah, I got saw those and then going down the down, going down the pike there was a few that just kept seeing huts and like white bait stands and stuff from the side of the river. <laughs> but, um, apart from that, just a few. Like you get like shadows, just every shadow looks like a, a possum or something, but, but nothing nothing too major. Finn, um, Finn was really tired one night and um, he was like falling asleep and then he literally like, I watched him just fall asleep and he was like so close to falling over. I went like to catch him because he was going to fall over. And then, oh, the funniest thing was when we were on, was it on the Dart River? Was that what? No, wait, no. Uh, no, it was, it was on, on the, the Serpentine River. Yeah, so it was like this big swampy river that was just like we were going nowhere because it was just so just like um, oh, just awful. Anyway, we we were it was really late at night and um, me and Finn were in the in like um in the front of the two pack craft and then Josiah and Dean who jumped in for Zach when Zach got helicoptered out um. And Finn, Finn and me were totally asleep. Like the boys were just paddling for us. We were totally asleep. And then we got to a checkpoint. And by this time I was awake paddling and Finn was still dead asleep on this pack rush. But Finn had the passports around his neck. So the passports were the little checkpoint um, cards that we had to clip the checkpoint in. And we're like, trying to wake Finn up and he just did not want to get up like he was totally like it was like he was on drugs like it was so funny and we like Finn right you need to get the parcels off your neck and he was totally he was awake but he wasn't cooperating at all so I had to literally undo all his clothes and get the passports off his neck <laughs> and then he went to go fall asleep again and he almost fell in the river because he didn't know he was on a pack craft 
So we had to like fall asleep on the pack rock. I had to grab him and like pull him out because he was going to fall in the river. It was the fu- we were all in hysterics. It was so funny. I've, I've got no recollection of any of that part of <laughs> any of, of being awake then. I went back to sleep for another 10 minutes and then I can wait and then I woke up and I can remember from there, but I can't remember any of that stuff. <laughs> can't remember that checkpoint or that part of the race. It was, it was the funniest thing. Like, we, you kind of had to be there to make like because we were all so tired, so it just made it even funnier than like than it actually probably was. Oh yeah, it was very funny. And then, so that was the pack raft section. So what did that lead into next? So so now, did you uh, still have Zach with you? Did Zach make it through the pack so, raft? Yeah, Jason. No, they, no. Yeah, so because um, I think in the Air Mountains, close to the Air Mountains, right before the cutoff, is where uh, Zach got helied out. Okay. And then I think it's really cool that God's don't let them do this. These guys ended up hiking down and I think you guys found like a, a barn or, or a house of somebody you knew and were able to like contact the Andy, you know, because it was a supported race. Like every team had a support crew right. so that COVID and moving around and then ended up coming into the TA um, and, you know, not sure if they were going to be able to continue or make the cutoff. But at that point, um, Andy had been able to call knowing that Zach was out another one of the fear youth, uh, team, like, cause they have a, they have a team with like six or eight people on it, mm-hmm. So he was able to call, um, uh, a, another teammate, which is, it was like not that far away and say, Hey, do you want to come down and race the rest of the race with these guys on, on the rest of the full course? And, and um, what's his name? Yeah. What's Dean. Yeah. And so Dean. 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 Okay. Sure. Yeah. And so. You know, I thought they were out watching the race and kind of reporting on it, you know, because we heard that Jack was hellied out. And then the next thing I know, like I'm seeing photos of four, four fear youth people still racing on the bike. And so that's why I got confused because I remember looking yeah. at that and there's still four of them. I couldn't figure out when Zach actually left. Now, and I think it's really cool because on some level, Zach got to do the first half of the race. Right. And then a whole, you know, Dean, so like as youth getting experience, like, there's three of them that did the whole God zone. And then there's like, you know, two of them that each got to do, to do half and, and just made the, you know, made it more of that, that kind of team camaraderie, which I think is fantastic. And kudos to the race organizer, to, to your point, Jason, kudos to them for allowing that to happen. You know, clearly, clearly it, it knocks you out of official, all, all those other things that go with that. But the fact that they wanted to keep you on the course and they wanted to let you enjoy the experience mm. and they allowed that, that, that really speaks to who they are as a, as a race directing team. Well, and, and what I heard from Andy, I don't know if it's true, but he was like, well, of course, when I asked them, they were like, heck yeah, we'd rather there be, you know, four 18 year olds out there than just three. Like they're crazy <laughs> for doing this anywhere on their own. So like the, the more the merrier. Just like, Bring there. it two more. Get six of them out there. Yeah. So. Okay, and so you- it really helped the team dynamics. When t- like we were pretty sad that um, that we had to, get helicopters out like that was very much a low point and we were quite not well we were sad about like um that hit but obviously that means we were unranked but then we kind of turned it into a positive like oh my god like not many people are actually going to finish the full course because the course is just so hard like I think 15 teams finished the full course and we pretty much did the full course apart from we kind of just cut around a little bit like I'd say we'd probably done the full causation, like pretty much. We we cut we cut ten k's off it. Yeah, 
which is for, nothing in which is nothing and, that's that's a it's a, it's a, it's yeah. a fraction of the overall race race distance it, it actually yeah, makes so, it a 700 it's 700 is a nicer number so 710 yeah. kilometers yeah, exactly. doesn't sound as good as yeah like yeah yeah nobody nobody remembers so. the team so yeah, yeah it's 200 <laughs> So you, yeah, so you so subbed out Zach, right? Yeah. You brought, so you brought in Dean. So, so did your, so did you think after you lost Zach, were you in the space where like the race was over? Did you think you were going to be just transported off the race course? No, I, I seriously had a gut feeling that we were always going to carry on. You kind of like, knew. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I knew that you can carry on with three people, but we always had like someone that will like Finn's dad could have jumped in for the pack crafting. Like the pack crafting is kind of the thing you need for four people. So um, we always knew that we were going to continue, I think like um, one yeah. way or another. Me and okay, so I were. Wait, I have, a, I have an important question now, like for, for, cause I want to hear it. Cause I was in contact with, with uh, Andy and, and Keegan, who is like the, the media guy also, also 16 year old healthy you guys. And, so I heard when you guys were coming in um, to, I think it was the bike race, the bike stage before the Serpentine River, which is that trek and and or maybe it was coming in off the Serpentine River. But I heard from from a pretty reliable source that the team, the four person team, had decided to get to that TA and drop out, like that you all decided as a team, like we're going to drop out. But then you rolled into the TA. There was a bunch of people high fiving you to the TA. Nobody said anything. You just did transition. And carry it on. I just want to hear about that. Um, yeah, we um, came off the that was on the Serpentine, um, the Serpentine River League, where that was just a, a slow, just a demoralizing league. We'd um, we were still going to carry on, but we were planning on skipping the hundred k bike stage that um, we were planning on on just flagging because um, we also thought that the race cutoff that that um the the course closure was gonna was gonna mean that we couldn't finish the we wouldn't have time to finish the full course. But um Keegan was walking with us and he was saying that the the course closure was a day I don't know how we'd got muddled up but, mm. but we thought it was a day a day earlier than than what it was and um and he said that it, he told us that it was a day later than what we thought and we sort of looked at each other and thought that we we're like oh we'll, we'll hate ourselves if we get to the finish line and we're still got a, a day to go and we've missed a hundred Ks of biking that meant we didn't do the full course. So like, oh shit, it'd be it'd be pretty rude not to not to just mm-hmm. carry on and do the whole thing. And so clearly you were you were gonna be taken off the course. You were not gonna voluntarily walk off the course. No. No, no we, yeah, well we no. we thought so we thought that um the race finished on the Friday and but then we got told that the race finished on the Saturday, so we were like, "Oh my god, well we kind of have to do that bike ride now because like we'd be finished the day way too early." And we were all saying like, "We would imagine if we finished with like a like time enough time to do that bike ride, we'd be so annoyed at ourselves." Right, so you'd, be, like, you'd be at the finish line with time on your hands, but you wouldn't be able to go to do it. Okay. Yeah, so we're like, yeah. right, let's just do it. Like, who cares? We're already unranked. Let's just go and do this bike ride. And we actually really, I think we all really enjoyed that bike ride, even though we were yeah. kind of thinking we didn't want yeah. to do it. <laughs> but we did. I think we enjoyed yeah, that last, yeah. like, 10 minutes. <laughs> well, <laughs> we were I, all yeah, downhill. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think that late yeah. in the race, the idea of enjoy is a relative term. 
Yeah. I enjoyed we, um, it. <laughs> the God's Own organisers thought it was a great idea to send us on about 15 k's of um, train tracks. We had to bike on the train tracks. So we were all on the hard XC bikes, just absolutely rattling our teeth out on the train tracks, which I didn't enjoy personally. I don't know I if Molly enjoyed enjoy it. That but, um, no, 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 no. I'm all about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Josiah on the last, um, the last sort of, there's, there's 10 Ks of flat at the end. And there's, we came down a hill just onto those flats. And Josiah got to the bottom of the hill. And he's like, oh, shit, my chain fell off. And he looks back and his derailleur hanger had broken. So we're like, oh, shit, now what do we do? But um, we ended up just towing him, towing him like a dead no, weight no. into the transition. What happened was then we found this car that, and they chucked a, a dog um, lead out the window and gave it to Finn. So then Finn towed Josiah with a dog lead. <laughs> Wait, uh, let's back up. A, a passing car threw you a dog lead? Yeah, we had mates that that were driving along beside us going, yeah, go and cheering us on. And then Josiah's his derailleur hanger broke. And we're like, oh, shit, now what do we do? And they had a dog lead in their car, so we borrowed their dog lead and clipped it onto my seat and Josiah hang on to, hung on to the dog lead and off we went. <laughs> now, how, how long did you tow – how long did you have your friend Josiah on a dog lead? Uh, I think it was about 10 k's just along the bottom, just along the flats. And was that into the finish? Uh, there was about 10 k's of flat once we got to the bottom of the hill. So that 10 k. And then did that did that take you into the finish or was there even more after that? Um, t- took us into the transition. Yeah. Okay. The finish of the bike league. Yeah. And then it, and then it was, was it a trek to the finish from there? Uh, no. And then there was a 35k kayak out to the, out to the coast. <laughs> and then there was a, a 20k beach run to the end. And then finally, then and we ran it. And then you ran the, it. And then the end. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, 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 so obviously you went into the to the to the paddle, then you went into the the final run in, and you ran the twenty k on the beach. Walk us through what did it feel like when you you knew you were going to finish, right? At some point in the race, you know it's going to happen. You're getting across, right? You had, you had lost you had lost yeah. Zach. You picked up Dean. You broke the derailleur hanger. You rode on the railroad tracks. You're going to finish. How did it feel coming into the finish line? Like what describe your emotions coming down that final 5k, 2k to the finish. Um, we were we were running, but um we were there was a dark zone on that river. So um on that on the <laughs> kayak league previously before the before the um beach run, there was a dark zone on it. And so everyone, there's a big group of teams. So we were sort of um just running and just hunting down these teams and just passing all these teams. And we're just, we're just loving, like, like after an eight and a half day race, we're just like passing a team every two minutes and just, just, like, it was just like a, a two hour blooming cross country race at the end. But um, we were hunting down one last team. We'd, we'd gone flat out to try and get them just before the finish line. So it was sort of, took up all of our I, I, would, I will tell you that if I'm sitting there and if, if four teenagers blow by me at the end of an eight day race, I might've tackled you. That's what we were saying. We were like, all right, Lucy's past Lucy. And I'm pretty sure we passed like 10 teams on that yeah, last, old man, old man Gaten's later. <laughs> and all of the teams are just like walking. And we were just like, well, I was on like five, 
five pills of Panadol because my feet were in so much pain. So I was just like, I was in no pain at that time. And I was like, we were just like running past these teams. And then Andy saw us on the last, like, what, what was it, 1K or something? And there was a team just, like, they started running when they saw us. And then what did Andy t- say they were? They were like rabbits and we were like, um, yeah, we were yeah, they were rabbits and we were the hounds or something. We had to chase yeah, them down. Yeah. I I, I, tell you, I would have been <laughs> I would have been so mad if I'm trying to finish this eight day race and you're coming down behind me. I would have been like, "Come on, what are you doing? Making me run near the end of the race." So, yeah, yeah we got oh. a few pretty dirty looks from from some people. So was there? So I, I had read somewhere that there was you slept for seven hours at one point and you had a rush to make it. <laughs> yeah, we we had it, but that was a, that wasn't really planned. We um on that Serpentine River where we. We stopped and slept, and we set the alarm for two hours sleep, whatever. And I think he was it, Molly. You <laughs> on the alarm, and um, Molly must have, must have woken up and, and said to Josiah, "Oh, should we just have another hour?" And I think Josiah, that sounded like a pretty good idea. So, but I don't think the alarm got set for the next hour, so it ended up being six or seven hours. <laughs> yeah. So then the next alarm. So I. What happened was I put it on a timer and I'm used to having the alarm noise and on my watch. So then obviously it was just my brain was just like, and then I was like, all right, guys, time to wake up. Then just I was like, one more hour. And I was like, okay. So then I don't know what happened, but the next alarm was the 6 a.m. alarm that we had like three days before. So we were just kept on sleeping. It's like my watch wasn't like, on the you know the daily alarm. Oh I remember, I remember there being a few panicky posts on Facebook that were yeah, well, the, these. Mm. The, Jason, Jason, what's your memory of that seven-hour sleep? I, I mean, I was just in contact with you know Andy and, and Keegan, and like they knew you were probably going to sleep. It looked like you chose. I don't know what you chose. Like it was like you're just on the side of the river in some swamp. This is what satellite looks like. We're like that looks like a horrible place to sleep, but you know whatever. You know everybody gets tired on the paddle, and then you know I was used to waking up and looking at the tracker and knowing that it was like three hours early. So if I woke up at six or seven, I'd go get on the trainer and like watch you guys while I was doing my workout, which, you know, is, is a nice way to do it in the morning, but you're not moving. So then I come home, I'm talking, <laughs> yeah. you're still not moving. And I'm like, okay, is their tracker broken? What's going on? I'm calling Andy's like, no, they're not like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, so, so we were all just wondering, you know, it, it was pretty funny that there was a lot of chatter back and forth with some of your fans. And, yep. and oh yeah, I remember that. Like, I was I was following along on Facebook. What's going on? Like, what are they doing? Uh, did they, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, also, like maybe you had a pack raft that like got you're trying to repair it, and and who knows? But uh, yeah, I heard. Were you know, we, and, yeah, you were comfortable. <laughs> we were just sleeping. Were you sleeping tired. in the pack raft or like pack raft on top of you? Were, were, no, were, no, no, no. Almost blew away. Yeah. It was windy. We sort of just yeah, we sort of just flopped out of them and left our pet grass beside the river and we just got the the fly. We had a like a tent fly and we we didn't put the tent up, we just put the tent fly on the ground to sort of keep us from getting wet and we all just lay on the tent fly and sort of in sleeping bags just underneath the just with nothing on top of us and went to sleep. Sort of warm enough that we stayed asleep, and then you got to run the last 20k and just right. run down all the people, right? Yeah. So, so, Jason, Jason, that's actually a, there's a new there's a new sleep strategy in town, right? Yeah, sleep for seven hours in the middle of a race. That's what you have to do. 
Well, the, the, the funny thing is it reminds me when we, when we got like fell apart in Fiji mm-hmm. and, you know, climb that big mountain and Dan had fallen apart. Like, you know, we'd, we'd on top of this mountain, we finally got there and we slept because Dan couldn't move anymore. And I remember all these kind of back of the pack teams passing us seeing it was, is Ben racing. And I remember some of the teams we know that were like, Oh, we thought this was like some clever sleep strategy to like sleep all night on the first night. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe with these guys and us doing it, it can become, you know, like a secret strategy to sleep and then you run really fast to pass everybody. Cause it is, it is fun passing people. Right. And think if you guys hadn't yeah. slept for seven hours, you would have had a lot less teams to pass. And so you basically just gave yourself that so many rabbits to catch on that last day, which is it's pretty cool. It's incredible when you can sleep. Like I've actually slept terribly this week. Like, I haven't slept very good this week, and I'm like, maybe I should just chuck a sleeping bag out on the lawn because <laughs> I slept much better on the God Zone than I have this past week. Well, let's, well, let's, let's get to that in a second because I am curious about your post race experience. But let's finish the race up. So you 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 have the pack raft, you have the you have the 20k run on beach. You pass all these angry, spiteful older people, and then you you finish the race. Right, you come across. How did it feel coming across? Now, I think Zach joined you, right? He, he tried to run across with you, and you yeah. all finished together? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty cool being able to finish this. As all five of us, it wasn't just a, just a, all four of us and Zach got left out. So, no, it was just a pretty cool feeling that it was, that it was done. <laughs> didn't have to keep moving anymore. So, so talk to us now about the, the, the post-race experience. Obviously, I'm assuming – being the youngest team to do God's Zone and doing so well, mind you, right? Doing so well and, you know, all challenges aside, you you tackled a bear of a course and you did great on it. How has the the post-race reception been? Are your, are your, your families are obviously a proud, Andy's very proud. What else have you been hearing from people about your experience? Um, pretty overwhelming coming back to kind of the real world, like, we had so many people messaging us and everything like it. It was really cool to see how many people um, actually followed the race. Like even just like the random people that like were at our primary school that were following the race that said, Oh my gosh, I was following you guys. Well done. But like, yeah, it was pretty, pretty awesome. The response that um, so many people were watching us, but I think for me, in as well and rest, the rest of the boys have been very very hungry this week <laughs> yeah yeah like it's so it's so weird well it's, it's all yeah, when it's you get back from a race like that you just you sleep a lot and you eat a lot yeah, yeah. Literally. i've been eating like i've been eating like six like six meals a day for the last five days <laughs> yeah it's amazing yeah, like i've had i've yeah. had chips and peanut butter beside my bed because i wake up too hungry to even like like it's so weird like oh are, my are god your, are your clothes looser did, did, did a lot of weight fall off you no not i don't really have any yeah neither i don't really have anything to lose really i wasn't carrying much fat into the race so no nah, <laughs> i might have lost two kgs but i'll put it back on now just very nice parking up and eating yeah i understand so, yeah. so are you in school now I, like did, did you miss school to go race uh yeah i miss school to go race yep i'm still in school so, so how did that, so it's interesting. So I, I work in a school, so I have to, so first things yeah. first, if a, if a student said to me, you know, 
Brian, I'm going to, I'm going to miss 10 days of school because I have to go do this massive race. I'd be like, go get them. Have a great time. We don't mind you missing it. Was that the same general response that you got in your schools Were people cheering you on where they did, did your classmates follow along? Like, how did that go? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was pretty good. Like when I was sort of before the race, none of the teachers really knew what it was. And they sort of just said, yeah, go for it. You'll learn more out there than you will at school. But, um, yeah, and then after the race, like every, it's amazing how many people were following it. Like all the teachers mm-hmm. had been on the tracker, and all my heaps of classmates had been pretty into it, just following it. It's pretty, it's good that it's so well covered with media and the tracking and stuff is a pretty good, it gets a lot of people into it. Here's the, the question what, What's been harder, doing God's own or doing all the missed schoolwork? What's been harder for you? Um, I've probably neglected the missed schoolwork, so okay. uh, probably still, still God's own, but um, but yeah, the missed schoolwork is that's it's um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a battle, but no, I'll just probably <laughs> the grades will go down a wee bit, but that's right, you make you make sacrifices, yeah, yeah, it was worth it. Coming from adventure racing families and, and being sort of growing up inside the culture, when you went into God Zone, you both had preconceived notions about what the race would be like and what you would experience and what, what it would all feel like to you. Now that you've, you've entered the race, you've done it, and now you've had a chance to reflect upon it, how accurate were your pre-race assumptions about how the race was going to go? Did they line up or was it a brand new experience for you? Um... Go, we got him. We got him. Uh, so, so Dad, when Dad, Dad was a wee bit um different compared to uh what other people have raised. Like he's almost died like twice on the God Zone. <laughs> so my, so my pre, I suppose God Zone, whatever, um was like, oh my God, this is so scary. But it, so then, therefore, it was much easier than what uh, my dad went through. But I think that's only because I didn't experience what he did. So I, I guess it was easier than what I was expecting. But um, you know, mm-hmm. I think yeah, it was it, it was it's probably the best. It's definitely like the best eight days of my life. Like the amount of experience we have as an eighteen-year-old and a sixteen-year-old and nineteen-year-olds are way more than what the average teenager in New Zealand and in the world actually gets to experience. Like we, we see some incredible country that no one else gets to experience. So I think that's, it's pretty cool um, thing to have under your belt. A bit the same. Well, I had done like sort of three days sort of stuff. So um, I'd, I'd encountered the whole sleep deprivation stuff, but not quite to the same level, but yeah, it was probably lined up with my expectations, I guess, like how how hard it was and how you just had to keep keep telling yourself to, to keep on going and stuff. But um, I guess like, yeah, just being, we were so sort of grateful that we'd had the opportunity to do it and that we're going so well the whole time that we're sort of riding, riding the wave of, of, I guess, good, good feelings and stuff that we're just, yeah, we sort of, got through it pretty well and your next races what do you have coming up um i think andy's lined us up with a few there's a um 48 hour it's called the the true west um race that nathan fave is putting on on the west coast so i think 
Andy's pretty keen for us to go to that. And um, I think there's there's mutterings about getting an invite to Expedition Oregon that Jason puts on, so <laughs> which would be pretty awesome. I'm, I'm super in support of, and it's been fun watching my brother and myself a little bit kind of help uh, you do crazy things, um, you know, for, for the last 20 years. And, and this is just like the, the pinnacle example um, of what you guys are doing and, and kind of the future of the sport and, and really just the, the future of, you know, of, of not even just adventurous and just like, you know, you guys are, are already on the path to learning so much and, and being pretty remarkable humans. So we would love to, I mean, I, I have faith that you guys would, would finish the Expedition Oregon course and it's probably going to have about the same finish rate as, as, um, as Kazim. So um, I actually have a, a, a question for you, two questions before I forget. One is um, how, like how, how many years until you guys beat Avaya? Let's just be honest. Let's just cut to the chase. How many years before sure. Avaya? One, two, it's not very long. Um, depends how slow, how much Avaya slow down as I get older, probably. <laughs> um, you guys are, you guys are uh, planning on no. speeding up, right? Yeah, yeah, we're planning on speeding up, but they might have to slow down a little bit to, to match us. Um, no, nah, I don't know. It's probably just a, like the experience of just yeah. sort of transitions and like our, yeah, that, that was probably our weak point is just our efficiency and stuff like that comes with with experience of doing stuff like that. Like just just having the ability to not stop to do things like Avaya. They're just so methodical and yeah. efficient and everything. They're pretty well drilled process. So. Yeah, it's, it's just getting to that stage and, and then the speed will come with it, hopefully. Right. So, yeah. I mean, Nathan wants to know. So, he, like, wants a number. Does he have three years? Does he have two years? Like <laughs> He wants a number. What, what, yeah, just kind of like, what, what do you guys, well, what you guys when, do? Well, you know? when, when I get him on the podcast, I'm going to start with that question. Like, yeah, we're, gl- we're glad you're here, Nathan. Thanks for coming aboard. By the way, Team Fear is coming for you. How many years do you think yeah. you got left? That'll be the first question I'll ask him. <laughs> we just have to... Um, knuckle down like I'm pretty sure like Andy and stuff said that they had like different packs and stuff and they're literally getting transition and grab another pack and way they yeah. go. Like they like, actually, they actually so different efficient. I think they had different pack rests too at one point. They can pack rests too, yep. I will be the first, first to right. that um I, I love my brother. I think he's an amazing athlete. Like he couldn't have a better mentor, but he's never been that fast at transition. So you know, so you may have to talk to Adrian or one of your other mentors to really get you dialed in. Andy gets a little frantic in transition because he gets so excited to, yeah. to get back out there. Yeah, um, yeah. Even as that's a, actually a spot on advice. We, we saw a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's um, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, I mean, moving through transitions. If you watch Avaya in transition or any teams, they only touch their items once. They barely stop. They come in. They change. They go right back out, and they just pick up hours and hours and hours. They're so steady. Just in, just in transition. Um, I I feel so, like um. Sorry. Go, go. go ahead. Oh, um, I I feel like like we we yeah, transition is definitely our weak point, but like I suppose it was our first ever long race that um now we know and we can just learn and grow from um what we like can now you know, we know that we have to be fast track transitions and, and stuff like that. And I know that I need to look after my feet on day one of the race, not wait until they're terrible before fixing them so just little things like that will just make us that little bit faster and better for next time 
but you could almost categorize God's zone. And, and for as big a race as it was, it was very much like a practice race for you, right? It was your first time at yeah. this distance, oh, yeah. learning all of those things, nutrition, feet, sleep strategy, all of that. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was an experiment race. It was, we were just experimenting on what what would happen past the past the two-day mark. So, yeah, it was good. And surely, yeah. surely starting at 18 and 16 and stuff, like, when when we when we get the um eight, to the age of Avea, surely we'd be better because we had way more experience than them. <laughs> I mean, and, I mean, honestly, in 10 years, you guys are still going to be young guns right. in, like, the – adventure racing world and you're going to have i mean it, it reminds me a little bit of uh my teammate daniel who started racing when he was 16. granted it wasn't with yeah. a team of, of teenagers but like you know by the time he got to be 26 and and now 36 he's been racing for 20 years and he's not mm. even really in his, his physical prime um you know so like i can't keep up with him anymore so um uh it's, it's a pretty remarkable thing where you guys are at and so my you know, because there are some people in America that think that what makes Kiwis fast, and I think this is just wishful thinking, but I just want to get some advice or some key phrases from you guys, because a lot of people think what makes the Kiwi races fast is the way that they talk, like their, their phrases. They have like cool phrases, good on you, like just that it's, it's, it's casual. Like whenever I see Chris Ford out there on a race course, it never seems like he's working hard. He just like when they interview him in the media after some horrendous track, he's like, Oh, it's a nice wee little Sunday walk. And you're like, that's not true. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, but, you know, I, I really like seeing the videos of like these Kiwis, Kiwi races after these horrible stages, which we're watching and hearing about. And then they come in and it's like, they're not chuffed about anything. Chuffed is a thing. Like, I don't know. Like, what are some of your favorite phrases so we can sound like you as Americans when we're having a hard time and we can like pull in the Kiwi spirit of adventure racing? So, so let me ask that on that question. And that's a really good question you asked there, Jason, the idea that there's the, the New Zealand um, in the world of adventure racing, New Zealand has a special place and people think highly of it. And I know that there's school programs that are built around that, that there's, there's a bit of a, a, a league and there's, there's teams that, that go at each other. I know there's a lot of youth work. What lesson, what, what advice would you give to schools outside of New Zealand to help develop that sense of optimism and positivity that you think that we should, we, we could take from your, your culture. That's a good question. Um, I suppose, I don't know. Well, I've definitely and probably Finn has grown up around the outdoors and stuff. So we're used to um, pushing ourselves, but I suppose just actually, even if you just go for a bike ride or a walk, it doesn't have to be 60 hours. That's a bit extreme. But, like, even if you just get out and explore your backyard, um, I don't know what it's like in America because I've never really raced or done anything in America. But I assume that you guys have, you know, tracks around and mountains and stuff that you can go. Like, if you start little and then you meet people along the way and then you get their contacts and then um, you kind of just start from there, I suppose. Sure. Well, it sounds, it sounds as if New Zealand has a, has a very strong cultural connection to each other, that you're one large tribe and adventure racing is part of that. You, the outdoors is built into your, into New Zealand, the ethic of the people. The adventure theme, I guess, is just everyone's like keen on getting outdoors and going, exploring places that even if it's not racing just exploring and going into uncharted places and stuff it's pretty 
pretty strong. Well, it's, it's pretty big in New Zealand. So, yeah, and that we've got such a big backyard that's that's so easy to, to go and find your own mm-hmm. chunk of place that nobody's been to. So, yeah. One of my, one of my best friends, Kate Matthews is, um, she'll see, she's from New Zealand. She's in, she's actually home right now for a wedding and she was able to get around COVID and get there and she's isolated and she's home and she hadn't been home in four years. She's out uh, near Mount Taranaki with her family. And, um, one of the greatest people I know, right? Nothing, no problem that comes across her plate is, is unsolvable or it can't be addressed. There's always a solution to us, always some way to figure it out. And I think that that ethic, which is feels to be bred into into people from New Zealand, spills into your adventure racing. Because if you notice during our interview tonight, at no point did you talk about a part of the race being too much for you. No, no, we never really. Yeah, there's likes of when Zach, Zach's hits were getting too bad and stuff. We're sort of just always trying to work out ways of getting around it. If it, well, it ended up getting chopped out, but but we were still keen to to carry on. So yeah, just I guess. Fantastic. I think we're all quite we're all quite positive people. I think like, um, and the and I I suppose kind of we're the minority. Like, not many people get to do this. So we were kind of like, oh my god, this is quite cool. Like, um, yeah, we were all always in a pretty positive mind. And and as a result of that, you you're able to. You, you become you become part of a tribe and the positivity exists and as a result you solve all these problems together um you i have to tell you um i work with young people for a living i work with a lot of 18 year olds a lot of 16 year olds hundreds of them to be honest um and you should be and i don't think you need to hear this from me but i want to say it you should be very very proud of the the, the people that you are and the way that you represent your families in your country oh, thank you very much thank you Thank you. And thank you for joining us on the dark zone, Jason, before we say goodbye, anything from your end, you want to say? Um, I just, you know, I just want to reiterate to, uh, to the, the fear youth team that, um, you know, you've got a huge, huge fan base over here and, and I'm, I'm the number one American fan. I just want to make sure people know that. Um, I'm, you know, it's a pleasure to have met, you know, I, I haven't actually met these two. I'm, I'm really excited to meet them, but I've, I've, I had the pleasure of actually training and, and, you know, doing some fun WTF race stuff with Josiah and and Zach and a few of the other on the team. And they're just all such uh, remarkable people, not even, you know, it's, it's easy to to label them as kids or teenagers or, or youth, but they're just all such amazing people. And the thing that keeps striking me about this team, and it's a cool similarity to see between, you know, cause I've got to hang out and, and meet some of the Avaya folks um, that have always been a big inspiration in adventure racing but it really is like like you brought up the positivity, right? The the way that they work together as a team, the way that they really enjoy being out there together on the ups and the downs when it's great, when they're struggling, that it really is this this idea of, you know, remarkable teamwork, um, you know? And, and so it's, it's, it is it's is a testament to what the sport helps bring out in people, but also a testament to to, to fear youth as, as a team. And I'm really, I'm just super excited to see where they go. Exactly, well, fear you. Thanks a lot for joining yeah, us. Can't wait to you. see you out there. Good luck making all that schoolwork. All right. Don't fall behind in your studies. Stay in school, kids. All right, guys. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. See ya. Thank you, Molly, Finn, and Jason, for your time, storytelling, and wisdom. All of us at the Dark Zone enjoy bringing adventure racing into your life. And thank you, listeners, for choosing to spend your time with us. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, please pay a visit to your podcast streaming platform of choice and leave us a review. That is the best way to spread the word. Also, always feel free to reach out to me, Brian, at ardarkzone.com. Your feedback and suggestions are always welcome. Thank you, listeners, for joining us at the Dark Zone. Have fun out there.